You are listening to the So Above Cancer podcast, episode 83, The Art of Not Giving Advice with your host, Gabrielle. Hello, fellow cancer thrivers. Welcome to this week's episode of the Soar Above Cancer podcast, a podcast dedicated to finding not only the strength to survive a cancer diagnosis, but thrive at living one's life with cancer. So advice. When you think of advice, well, I know I think of unsolicited advice and kind of where that goes. So when someone gives me advice that I'm not really looking for, where do I take it? And for me, the answer is usually nowhere because I don't follow unsolicited advice like ever. And I think many of us don't. Yet as a cancer thriver, we hear unsolicited advice all the time. I would say it's probably one of the most frustrating aspects of a cancer diagnosis is everyone telling you, that you should and shouldn't do different things to help yourself. So today on the podcast, I'm again without my co-host Alex, but I wanted to discuss the art of not giving advice because that is really something that I've tried and emphasis on tried to implement in my life is that people don't want to hear the advice that I have. If I want to show up for someone, if I want to be there for a friend, I need to show up without that baggage of advice that I want to give. And I really do have to do a few different things. And I've, I've noted these down. So first, I need to listen. Just really listen to the person. When you show up to a conversation with someone where they might be having a hard time and you come kind of geared with all of your backpack full of advice and, and tricks and tips that might have helped you or someone else, you're showing up thinking of a lot of other things other than the person who's in front of you and what they're wanting to share with you. So take a step back. All right, I know I, I try to take a step back. I open my ears, um, as cheesy as that sounds. I really try to focus on the person who's in front of me. So that's active listening. Most of you probably have heard this term before. It's really giving that person all of the attention that they deserve. It's showing up. And I, I've been talking about showing up more. It's really being conscious about how you kind of present yourself to that person. And are you do they understand that you are really listening to what they have to say and that you are interested in that? And that brings me to the second point in listening is listening is being interested. So be curious and ask those questions. Don't pry too much because we we understand that people have their limits and you, you don't want to push them out of that field of comfort because that's not a good experience for them either. But you do want to be very interested in what they have to say. Again, it's not about you. It's about the person you're wanting to show up for. Second thing I would say about how to not give advice is used a reflection tool uh, or tools. So reflecting back in two ways. First of all, I think reflecting back non-verbally is with your non-verbal is absolutely essential when it comes to showing up for someone and avoiding advice giving. To avoid that advice, that 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 automatic kind of response that we want to give, which is usually advice, take a moment and try to reflect back what the person's showing you in their nonverbal. So if, if they're on the edge of their seat, can you get forward? Can you kind of lean in towards them too? 
if they are crossing their arms. Maybe you don't want to do that, but you might want to adopt something that's a little more open than crossed arms, but not too much so that the person doesn't feel uncomfortable. If they're talking really softly, can you lower your energy level and talk to that level? If they're crying, of course, you don't want to get to that level. You want to be strong for that person. But is there different nonverbal cues that you can use to show the person that you get that they're sad and that's okay and kind of sit with them, sit with that sadness as, as much as they are and give them that space to do so? The second kind of reflecting technique or, or area that you'd want to be aware of is reflecting on their reflections. Not that I say it, it's not a great. But it's kind of reflecting on what they've told you and what they've chosen to share. Because again, when you share something with someone, you're being very vulnerable. And to have someone actually listen and for you to understand that they're actually listening to you is great. And how do they know that you're listening? Well, the nonverbal reflections and and how you present yourself nonverbally, but also in what you're saying. So those questions that you're asking are great. How can you reflect that you actually heard their answer? So saying things like, I'm hearing that you're sad about this or that you're frustrated about that. It sounds like that that event really changed your life or it, it sounds like that friend really didn't show up for you or whatever the case may be. So reflecting back on what they said by kind of repeating it in a different way. Using their words is also always interesting because it shows, again, that you're really listening to what they're saying and not just overall and kind of getting tip this. You can just kind of throw back at them. You're actually listening and pay attention exactly to what they're saying, to the words and, and really picking up on things. Those little micro things that you can do during that conversation instead of giving advice is going to go a long way in how the person leaves that that conversation with you. When they leave, they will remember that you listened to them and that you were empathetic and that you were reflecting back and that you really understood you got it. Third thing to do when you're trying not to give advice is to be empathetic. Just be very empathetic with the person. So I personally adore the work of Brene Brown. So she's a researcher, social worker by background. So I'm a little biased, but still her work is absolutely phenomenal. She works amongst other topics, which are all great, vulnerability, shame, all of that. She also works on empathy. And she defines empathy communicating that incredibly healing message of you are not alone. It's about showing up for the person and just being there for them. It doesn't mean saying the right thing at the right time or or being the most helpful person in the world. It, it really doesn't mean that. It means showing up and hearing what they have to say and just kind of sitting there with them in that moment because that's what they need. If someone is being as vulnerable, choosing to be that vulnerable with you, it's because they trust you and they want you to hear what they have to say. 
And they need you to be there in that moment with them, not run away and start giving advice and start fixing things, but really just sit with those emotions and that story with them. And fourth, when you're trying not to give advice, I would strongly suggest that you channel that helpfulness into something that's practical, that's something that the person's really going to need. What I mean by this is that often individuals who offer up advice is doing it really because they want to help. And their way of helping is kind of giving all those pieces of advice that, frankly, probably won't do much unless the person really asked for it. Otherwise, it's really not going to impact their life a lot. It's probably going to go into one year and out the next. Sadly, we're not as human beings made to really retain just any piece of information, of advice, especially if we don't think we need it at the moment. So when I say be try to be helpful in other ways, it's really ask yourself the question or ask the person you're with, how, what can I do to help? See what the person really has to say. If you can ask the person directly what would be most helpful in this moment for me to do or in the following week or following month, that's great because you're going to be the most useful to that person. But if you're hesitant to ask the question, think back on what they've said and see if there's something practical you can do for them in that way. So that's kind of the fourth idea is that instead of giving advice, try to Take a step back and do something practical to help the person. Now, what if the person really wants advice? What if the person is telling you, I really don't know what to do. I need you to give me the answer. I need you to tell me what to do. We often see this type of of conversation when someone's newly diagnosed and it's overwhelming. You're kind of put into this cancer care system with not much to go on, a new diagnosis, a new earth-shattering diagnosis, something that's going to change your life dramatically. And often individuals really don't know what to do and they will turn to the people around them, have those conversations, those very vulnerable conversations saying, I don't know what to do. Here's the situation. How do I fix it? The thing is, it's very difficult for a third party to be able to fix it because often we won't, might not have all the details or we're just not in that person's shoes. What we would do is probably somewhat different, maybe not completely different, but somewhat different from what the person would do. So when someone asks you, what do I do? Tell me what to do. I would do anything. Just let me know, Decide, kind of decide for me. And I'll run with whatever you give me because I'm at at a loss when it comes to figuring this out on my own. I would suggest take a step back. So the person wants advice. As the person listening, as the person who's trying to be empathetic and helpful, but trying to avoid the advice giving because we know that it's not great and it's not something that people usually follow. So I take a step back as that person, as that listener. And I always try to question myself, how can I be most helpful in this moment? Is it by 
empowering the person, the individual to come up with their their own ideas around either where they could get that information or what they could do? Or is it actually by giving some advice at that point about what my experience was like? Or if I heard someone else's experience was, was more similar, what did they do? Kind of that idea from, so am I to ask, kind of redirect the question to the person or am I supposed to really do kind of talk on or from experience? So I strongly, strongly believe that people don't just lose their abilities, their skills, all of the numerous components of themselves that they had pre-diagnosis. It doesn't just vanish when you hear the words, you have cancer. I think it becomes very difficult for someone who hears those words and caregivers and a lot and 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 whoever's really close to that person, I think it becomes very difficult for them to kind of tap into those abilities and those skills and that, that those characteristics that make them them, but they're not lost. So when I think of, of empowering the individual of what can I do to get that person to kind of figure out what's best for them in this moment because advice giving again we're trying to get away from in this context when we're having because it is a podcast about not giving advice so when you choose not to give advice you don't just drop the person there I kind of see how can I empower that person to find those strengths in them again because they they have them and that's where good questions come into play what are good questions that I can ask them for them to explore options or solutions and kind of tap into that those skills and that competence and those those characteristics those strengths that they have if they can't remember those strengths and those qualities and all the good things about them maybe it's also time for you to kind of name them and put them out there so if the person's great at researching can you just kind of remind them that like you you that is such a great ability that you possess. Have you thought of of exploring that? Or So I know I've, I've been all over the place with this question. So if the person wants advice, let me recap a little bit. Person wants advice. You have two choices. You can either give the advice because you think that's really best in the situation. Or you can go down the route of kind of putting it back on the person. Asking them what do they think that they could do or, or kind of getting them to think of ideas through good questions that you can ask and then exploring their strengths if they still can't find anything and kind of delving into what they're great at and reminding them of of their qualities. So that's kind of where I would kind of start going if I, or when, because I, as you do it, I'm not just preaching this. I'm actually, I do try, tend to, to see if I there is an opportunity for me to not give advice and empower the individual instead. That's kind of where my thought pattern kind of goes. Not very linear like I kind of tried to do and and somewhat failed, but tried to do. It's more kind of all over the place. But see what you can kind of develop for yourself when it comes to not giving advice what is going to go through your head for you to decide not to give that advice. So kind of figure that out. I've kind of detailed what kind of 
train pattern of, of thought I go through to kind of figure it out. If not, if that doesn't work for you, if that just sounds like gibberish right now and you're like, Gabrielle, it's time for you to bed, go to bed and it almost is. So that's why I'm a little tired. And then you say, okay, what would work for me? And last, I wanted to discuss very quickly when you do need to give advice because we just kind of explored how to empower people, get asking great questions, giving them uh, a rundown of their strengths if they've forgotten about it, getting them to think of a good options moving forward. But what if we really do need to go down the route of giving advice? And that's possible. We are, first of all, human beings. So we like to give advice and that's not a bad thing at all. And sometimes I think the situation warrants advice giving, especially if the advice comes from personal experience. When you do give advice, or when I do give advice, it's often when someone asks for this advice, they specifically ask a question that they need the answer to. And it's clear that that's really something that they need in that moment that would help this conversation move forward. When I do give advice, I tend to try to not make it about me. So I do that in two ways. First of all, I do it by choosing to give this advice for the right reason. So again, since it's not about me, I should be giving advice because that person needs to hear it, that that person really wants to hear it in the moment. I'm also not... I'm also giving advice because I know that I can keep it to that piece of advice that I don't need to babble on and it's not a, it doesn't become a therapy for myself. So again, it's not about me, it's the, about the person in front of me, which makes it important to kind of just give that piece of advice and then kind of move on to what do they think? Did that kind of spark other ideas and kind of put it back on them? When you're asking advice, when you do end up giving advice, I think it's important to also ask permission first. By asking permission, it gives the person the right to say, you know what, I don't want it. And if you misread the signs about them needing the advice, if they say no, they still have that opportunity to say, you know what, I'm, I just need to vent today and I really don't want that advice. I know I asked for it, but... I'm just not there right now. And lastly, I would say that you need to make sure that the advice that you give is rooted in facts. So constitutes as fact. Anecdotes are okay. So it's great to share advice. I went through this experience and this is what happened. Um, giving details about how you live through experience certain things along your cancer experience or other experiences but still make sure that somewhere in there there's some facts it, especially if you're telling a story of someone else you might not know all the facts you need to be careful when it comes to giving advice that you're just kind of sure about because often those other elements that we might not know about were important factors to whatever happened. For example, if someone is telling you that this 
cancer was cured because of, of a magical tea, let's say. And you want to go and share that advice with the person that your friend that who has cancer, your your family member who has cancer. You have no idea what other factors contributed to that cure. Really, we, we have no idea. So by telling this now this other friend or this other family member about this magical cure tea without really knowing how much it does work can first of all give false hope but also kind of contributes to the frustration that a lot of cancer thrivers do feel when it comes to advice because we hear a lot of things that aren't founded in research which makes it difficult to discern through all of the advice that we get and ultimately it's a lot is time consuming and and has all of their is downsides so try to avoid doing that kind of also to protect your own integrity with that person if advice giving I think really is a very soft spot with a lot of cancer thrivers and it becomes a source of a lot of frustration when it comes to to living through a cancer experience so try to avoid things that giving advice that might not be true or entirely true or that you don't have enough evidence to back it with. So this does end episode 83, The Art of Not Giving Advice. Thank you for the listen to you, our listeners. If you want to reach out to us, both Alex and I, you can go to the Soar Above Cancer website, as well as our social media accounts, which are all linked in the show notes. Many, many smiles to you and see you next week.